Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlocked big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book, Dr. Tatiana's Sex Advice to All Creation. In nature, most showy and beautiful creatures exist for the sake of sex. Plants, in order to spread pollen to as many mates as possible, produce gorgeous blossoms that attract bees. Some animals use their splendid appearances to attract attention from the opposite sex, while others become extremely talented singers or dancers. Every note and every movement they make is an anxious cry, pick me. Pick me. They also duel with those of the same sex to secure successful reproduction and an excellent mate. The battle of the sexes begins, and Dr. Tatiana's sex advice to all creation gives us a faithful account of this struggle. Olivia Judson is an evolutionary biologist. She holds a doctorate from Oxford and is currently a research fellow at Imperial College London. She is regarded by many as a sex expert, and she believes the world of sex to be very exciting. With humorous, lively language and her academic background in biological evolution, Judson writes Dr. Tatiana's sex advice to all creation with the intent to show us the variety of sex life. According to Judson, there is nothing more important, more interesting and more troublesome than sex. From an evolutionary point of view, the goal of life is simple, to survive and reproduce. If you reach this goal, you've successfully passed your genes onto your offspring, who will spread them further. This will go on generation after generation, and your life will not have been a waste. But for many species, this seemingly simple goal is no easy task. Females want to have more kids, especially stronger and smarter ones, so they naturally want to have more partners. In other words, they want more options, since this leads to a higher chance of success. However, males think differently. They say, I have no problem with more kids, but they must be mine. Their views, contradictory and unified at the same time, result in the great battle of the sexes that has gone on for millions of years. This age-old battle has brought so many brutal conflicts, but it's also what has made the world as thriving as it is. According to Darwin's theory of natural selection, the battle of the sexes allows for the continuation of good genes and the end of bad ones. But how indeed can we win this battle? Is it possible for anyone to escape from it? Next up, we will explore the major contents of this book in three parts. Part 1, The Lifelong Pursuit of Females is to Give Birth to Many Quality Children. Part 2, The Lifelong Pursuit of Males is to Ensure that They Are the Father of the Children. Part 3, The Battle of the Sexes is Cruel but Indispensable. Part 1, The Lifelong Pursuit of Females is to Give Birth to Many Quality Children. Over 30 years ago, there was a theory known in the field of natural science suggesting that men are promiscuous, while women are faithful. This conclusion was drawn from scientific studies and even has an official name, Bateman's Principle. However, this principle is false, in that females are actually the promiscuous ones. The reason why Bateman's Principle is untrue is because A.J. Bateman's methods were problematic. The first issue lies in his research object, Bateman chose the fruit fly Drosophila melanogaster for his experiments. Females of this fly species are indeed quite reserved, generally mating just once a week. But their relatives, Drosophila hydei females, are highly sexual and mate several times each morning. 
Therefore, the self-restraint of Drosophila melanogaster may not be common. The second problem is the time span of the experiments. Bateman observed his flies for just one week. If he had studied them longer, he would have noticed that the female flies regain their desire. The promiscuity of females has been proved with the development of genetic technology with which biologists can determine who the real father of a child is. With this tool, scientists discovered something astonishing. From stick insects to chimpanzees, female animals are all disloyal. So why do females want to be promiscuous? Because it's beneficial, of course. In many species, promiscuous females have more and healthier kids than loyal ones. The chance to have more babies is higher when mating with two different males than twice with the same one. By doing so, she can also avoid the problem that a male may be infertile, or that their genes may be incompatible. Most of us have heard about male infertility, but genetic incompatibility is not discussed as much. However, it may be a very common phenomenon. Take humans, for example. 10% of couples are infertile, of which 10% to 20% of these cases may not be caused by the infertility of either spouse, but rather because their genes cannot act in concert to produce children. This then leads to miscarriage. Therefore, for females who consider having babies as their main goal, mating with more males is a wise choice. Besides, to have healthier babies, it's much better to broaden her choices, she can let more males fight each other for her, and then choose the champion, instead of limiting her choices to a small handful of mediocre candidates. Such a screening procedure is not only limited to how females choose males. It also applies to how eggs pick sperms, such as in the case of comb jellies. In most human cases, if an egg is penetrated by several sperms simultaneously, it won't develop. But for sharks, an egg can be fertilized by more than one sperm. Comb jellies are different from either one, a comb jelly's egg visits each of the sperm nuclei in turn, before eventually deciding which one to fuse with. Female comb jellies are more than happy to screen for sperm quality. Such gene auditions are rather rudimentary, so more specific measures are taken to find a good father for her children. The capability of providing the family with enough food is an important criterion of being a good father, especially in tough times when food is scarce. In order to reproduce and nourish their babies all at once, some females allow males to trade food for mating rights. The grasshopper is the poster child for this behavior. In fact, a female grasshopper can mate with as many as 25 male grasshoppers in exchange for food. This has proven to be very cost-effective. By doing so, female grasshoppers not only lay eggs more times, but they also lay a larger amount each time. Besides food, the ability to provide a satisfactory place to live is another criterion for choosing a father. There are other animals interested in the pursuit of an aesthetically pleasing dwelling beyond just as humans. Take bowerbirds, for example, the nobles of the Australian rainforest. Male bowerbirds spend weeks building and decorating their elaborate bowers. Some of these look like huts up to 4 meters wide, or towers even 3 meters high. These lovely males also use pressed fruit juice to paint their nests, and decorations like flowers, mushrooms, and feathers, all for the purpose of attracting females. A female bowerbird then picks her favorite among all the bowers. She believes the one with the ability to build such a beautiful bower must also be the most handsome specimen and will surely produce great babies with her. If there are not enough males for every female, 
females will fight among each other for the one they want to reproduce with. This is what Darwin frogs in the Chilean forests do. They have a unique way of hatching their eggs, the males swallow the eggs and brood the tadpoles in their vocal sacs. As each male Darwin frog has limited space for incubation, each female needs two to three males to help her hatch eggs. Moreover, male Darwin frogs are unable to mate for over seven weeks as they are incubating, so females fight each other for the males. But what if the males are so few that even fighting won't help? Don't worry, there are always other solutions. Some species turn to incest. You might ask, won't there be problems with offspring born from incest? That's true. We all know that inbred human babies are more likely to have physical defects or to die. Here, recessive genes are to blame. Human genes come in pairs, one inherited from the father and one from the mother. If only one gene is recessive, it can't override the other dominant gene, so there won't be a problem. But if the parents are close relatives, the likelihood that they carry the same recessive gene is very high. When recessive genes pair, it often leads to serious, even fatal, problems. Some species have developed a unique genetic system to avoid this issue. Males of such species are called haploid, which means that they only have a single set of chromosomes. They may hatch from an unfertilized egg, as in the case of the button beetle, also called the date stone beetle. Or, as in the case of various male mites, the father's genes get destroyed early in the embryo's development, leaving only one set. If these males get dominant genes, they can happily move on with their mating journey, but if they inherit harmful recessive genes, they may simply die with no chance to reproduce. Therefore, haploid genes have removed the largest obstacle to incest and made inbreeding safe. Mother button beetles only need to give birth to one or two sons to satisfy their daughter's mating needs. Not having many males is not a problem at all, mothers have got everything handled. Females of yet another peculiar species need neither males nor sex. It's Philodena roseola, the deloid rotifer. How does she reproduce then? The answer is cloning. Sex is common and dominant in nature because it gives each organism its uniqueness. Clones are completely different, each of them is a copy of another one, so they are all susceptible to the same disease. Once one of them develops an illness, the whole population will catch it, which is extremely dangerous. So how did deloid rotifers survive for at least 85 million years with asexual reproduction? It must be impossible. But the secret lies in drying themselves up. In the event of a crisis, deloid rotifers dehydrate themselves into a state of fake death and get blown away by the wind like seeds until they reach a safe and satisfactory place to revive. If this deloid rotifer doesn't carry a pathogen, or the new location has fewer pathogens than where she previously lived, she can begin to reproduce in this new place. Then, when the pathogen reappears, she'll relocate. Of course, it's a risky method. Many deloid rotifers fail to come back to life after drying up. That concludes the first part, giving birth to many quality children is the female's lifelong pursuit. As long as they can have more and healthier children, they are willingly promiscuous. A female's mission is to set standards, expand her options, so that more good genes from the male can be passed on and bad ones phased out. In circumstances when there are not enough males, different species have their own ways of overcoming this difficulty. They can still reproduce through inbreeding or the extreme method of cloning.
For the perpetuation of life, females take all the credit. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play, get your free mind snack now.